Hello RPG fans, we're back, it's me Greg Delmage, and thank you so much for waiting patiently as uh, I got personal life stuff done and out of the way, so that way we can get back to some more podcasts. So without further ado, uh, let's jump right into what's been going on at the website for those of you who for some reason haven't been paying attention. We've got a preview that went live by Nathan Lee, who's on the episode today, where he was getting some hands-on action with the uh, Pokemon Masters beta. Nathan's given us a pretty good breakdown of the basics, so go check out his preview and see if it's something you're going to want when it fully launches. Since we last spoke, there's also been quite a number of reviews. First review I'm going to talk about is Jonathan Logan's review of Yakuza 0, a uh, really solid prequel to the entire Yakuza series. Pete Leavitt had only good things to say about Star Trader's Frontiers, which has made the jump over to mobile devices. Uh, he gave an RPG fan editor's choice, and I definitely recommend checking out his review if you are into the whole sci-fi RPG kind of management thing. We dive into this release on the episode proper, but Alana Haggs reviewed Final Fantasy VIII Remastered and overall still loves the magic of it, still finds that it is a standout game, and we'll have more to say about it with uh, our collection of panelists on the episode today. But please go check out her review and see why she thought it stands up to the test of time. Back in March, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, everybody! was dropped and John Tucker took it on for us but uh, kept running into the roadblocks of the difficulty spikes this game has to offer. Overall though he still thinks it's a pretty solid above average game. Uh, check out his review if you want to know exactly where and what he found was problematic with it. And finally our last review is AI the Somnian Files that Audra Bowling gave a RPG fan editor's choice to and awesomely we also dropped a video review at the same time that uh, David put together for us. So if you want to see our video review go over to our YouTube channel you can check that one out or you can read Audra Bowling's review and find out why she thinks it's such an astounding visual novel adventure game kind of mashup. And since you're over at our YouTube channel anyways, why don't you also check out the recently dropped video review of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers that uh, Caitlin and David put together for us. And lastly, the music department is back with some more reviews for you. First of all, the Near Orchestra Concert 1 2018 dropped uh, by Blu-ray, and Patrick Gann took a watch and a listen to that and has only wonderful things to say about it. Near has some stunning music, so go check out his review and see if uh, tracking down this Blu-ray is for you. I took a little trip down memory lane and uh, went to review the Final Fantasy Mystic Quest remastered soundtrack that Sean Shefiansky and his team uh, took care of over the Material Collective. And it was, it's lovely. That game's simple, but the music's just charming. The whole game's charming, and it was just a joy to revisit. Patrick Gann was also listening to Shimagami Tensei If original sound collection uh, that dropped back in June of 2018. It's a massive collection of music so I can see why he uh, definitely took his time with it and I recommend uh, diving into this extensive collection of music. Lastly, Mustin arranged a, a lot of fan favorites from the Squaresoft library and dropped it on the World of Square which Elena Haggs had the delight of reviewing for us. So uh, if you're feeling, you know, romantic for your childhood nostalgia of Square songs, check out her review and see what she had to say about it. And that, folks, is everything that's the latest and greatest. Hopefully you discovered something that you didn't know that we had dropped. And now get yourself into a nice, comfortable uh, seating position or however you like to consume your podcasts. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Here you are, episode 170 of Random Encounter.
Hello, folks. It's the end of summer. I'm sorry to announce this because that's probably terrible news, but we're finally back after being stupid busy for, uh, you know, really particular reasons. And just it's summer. Summer's always nuts. You think you're going to have so much time to do so many things. And then it just kind of goes away in like two months of like a flash on the pan uh, because you're outside and inside and everybody's doing all the things and doing events and dragging you out to weddings and hangouts and let's go get drunk or you know if you're kids let's go play games whatever it's just it's a nutso time and on one hand i'm glad it's done on the other hand i'm sad to see it go but uh we're here with more random encounter it is episode 170 i'm greg Dalmud, your host today and i'm ho- hosting uh some lovely folks some of which are new to the podcast but you know who isn't new nathan lee welcome back nathan hey guys how's it going uh we also have Joining us for the first time on the podcast, we have Joe Padilla. Hey there. And also, you've heard her on the uh, good old Retro Encounter, but now I finally got them on my podcast, adding a bit of class. It's Leona McCallum. Oh, wow. Class. I'm flattered. It's, it's the accent. It just it classes everything <laughs> up like tenfold immediately. I've been it's watching... Um, <laughs> I've been watching... watching a lot of Outlander over the past couple of years, so now I'm just like enchanted by the Scotch accent. So you can sweet talk me anytime you want, friend. Will do. <laughs> but uh, welcome everybody! Thank you so much for being on the podcast this uh, time around. We've got a whole slew of things to talk about because we just had a Nintendo Direct dropped on us, and yeah, um, yeah exactly, Woo-hoo. yay. They came out with a lot of RPG news, too, which is great. It's such an RPG machine, and I know people have commented that we favor the Switch, but it's hard not to when everything's being A, re-released on it, and B, there's just so many quality RPGs being dumped onto the system as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, uh, there's definitely some highlights. I mean, we'll go down the list and we'll get into things. Uh, but first of all, Trials of Mana is looking stunning. It's looking yes. like they're doing it right. It looks so beautiful. I can't yeah. believe how beautiful it looks. Is this going to be an action RPG you might actually jump into, Leona? I, I might. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know me in action RPGs. I try. I try. <laughs> well, I mean, like the original is, uh, we talked about it on Retro not too many episodes ago and like fell in love with it. My daughter and I have been playing it together. We're almost through our playthrough of it as well. Mm-hmm. But seeing it being remastered in a proper way, not what happened with uh, Secret of Mana, it's just looking stunning. And uh, I can't wait to get a release date on that because I don't think we have yet. It's still like nebulously 2020 sometime. Did, uh, there is an April release date. I can't remember the exact oh, date, but, uh, Amazing. but yeah, it's coming out in April next year. Excellent. So happy birthday to me next year. I may be picking up the Trials of Random remake, remaster. That's more of a remake, it looks like. I'm wondering how they're going to iterate on the combat systems. I'm looking forward to them hopefully fixing some of the bugs that were in it. I, if they just translate that into this, that'd be really annoying. Yeah, I, I don't think they will put the bugs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, because all the it's a remake, right? The guy made the whole game over again, so I don't yeah. think it'll happen. Well, exactly. Like It's not like they're going to be like, let's stay true to the original in this remaster as best we can, but also it's like, no, that's silly. Give us our dex bonus back. Come on. Make luck matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's going to be pretty fun. And it's just going to be an exciting way to see all these characters and classes brought to life in a very different light. And their mouths actually move when they talk. So that's pretty cool, too, because <laughs> we didn't wow. get that in Secret of Mana Remake, which was weird. So it's looking looking sharp. 
Uh, what else do we have on there? We had Return of the Oberdin, which Ober was Oberdin just like a game on its own that we covered back in the day, or was it called Return of the Oberdin as well, or is this like a sequel? I'm not certain. So it's um so it's a standalone game. Um, came out in I want to say fall of 2018. Okay. Um, this, and this is from Lucas Pope, who is I guess people are kind of beginning to see him as a bit of an indie auteur. Um, he made the game Papers Please back in 2014. Wow. Oh, which is so good. Yeah, I've I haven't played it, but I have heard a lot about it. Um, and I've heard really good things about Oberdin. So it's a very interesting style to it that I, I think he was kind of taking from old kind of uh, Mac games from like late 80s, early 90s, and sort of this weird um, static <laughs> ant race sort of style. I'm super excited to see that on Switch, though. I'll definitely be a hazard and a try at that. It would uh, translate really well to VR as well, which I feel like using mm. the Switch VR, maybe that'd be a fun thing with that game just with its wow. walleye view and everything too. But you seems very yeah, much about immersing yourself in the world and getting into those nooks and crannies, which is, we. I mean, we've probably, we've had these like 3D environment adventure games for a long time, but this one, uh, yeah, the style makes it stand out a lot with this gritty murder mystery kind of thing going on on the ship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I look forward to hearing what you have to say about that because I don't know if I'll get to it since I like adventure games, but not enough that I have enough time to invest in them, unfortunately. Uh, but mm-hmm. what I probably will, and hearing on the show pre-show stuff none of you are possibly into this but i'm into little town hero uh, and i'm super glad to see game freak finally having the time to kind of get outside of the pokemon bonds and try something different uh, it looks also like a really nice digestible easy kind of rpg that my daughter can get into as well yeah i was thinking that yeah looks like mm-hmm. it's good for yeah yeah i don't know if it'll be for me or not and that's totally fair i mean i'm interested to see how this whole idea kind of system works and mm-hmm. Like, how that feeds into the story of, like, are you reading the enemy's ideas? Can you read their minds and thus anticipate? Or is that how it's kind of reading that you're reading what they're going to do and then you anticipate and break up their action? Like, how's that all going to go? Yeah. You know, you quote-unquote fight with ideas, but it also looks like you're still fighting with weapons. So you make the idea to hit with the sword and then you do it, which is a weird, like... I mean, I thought I already it's had a, the idea a, when I hit the button. Yeah, <laughs> but... it's, it's like an extra step into hitting yeah. something with a sword. <laughs> so I'm curious how that's going to get into, like, how they want to shake up the strategy. Because it's clear they're trying to make a spin on how RPGs traditionally have worked. Especially with, it also seems to be a little, like, tower defense-y, I guess. Because yeah. you're kind of not really going out in the world. Everything's coming to you, and you get to kind of move around the town to different points to kind of defend and protect and enlist the locals so it looks neat i'm looking forward to getting some more details on it and then we yeah. got that great uh, announcement leona that you were pretty stoked about with mm-hmm. soundtrack wise Bobby fox yeah can't mm-hmm. wait for that the, the maker of undertale who also uh, composed all the music for undertale as well amazing amazing artist it's true we i uh, mentioned it to gwen this morning on the walk to school and she was like what Tony Hawks! And she was just like applauding <laughs> to herself in the street. Like, she was so stoked. She loves uh-huh. Undertale and everything about it. Oh. So she's very excited that uh, he'll be doing some more music. And then she's like, it's like Pokemon and Poby Fox smashed up. I'm like, well, there's no Pokemon. She's like, yeah, but uh, that's right. <laughs> but still, he's him and that. And I mean, he's already been smashed up with Nintendo because Switch was on, or Undertale was on Switch. But still, it's like, uh, and like her mind was exploding. It was funny. That's adorable. I, right. I am a bit. I'm a bit worried about it in terms of like, I, th- I think that people from Game Freak should be able to pursue different creative outlets other than just 
Pokemon, but I do worry about what the community might say if there are issues in Sword and Shield and they get mad of why are you working on little town hero or, or you know, mm-hmm. something along those lines when you should have fixed X and Y in Sword and Shield. And I think that's really, uh, I think that's kind of deficit thinking. And now I haven't seen that yet, but, and also I'm one of the social media people. So, people, <laughs> so, people, so people on the socials, don't get any ideas from this or I will smite you. Same on Discord. I don't yeah. want to hear that. Yeah, exactly. We've got two of our big powerhouses of, <laughs> of the social outlets for RPG fan here. But no, that's a very valid point. And given the climate that we live in where fans have direct access to the creators, it's a good thing that people can voice their concerns and whatnot. But it has, yeah, it has to come out constructively. Like, I can get where people might have a like, well, do they really? But it's like, yeah, they need to have that other outlet. They need to have other things to do. And and who's to say they didn't also dedicate hiring a new team towards this? It doesn't necessarily mean resources were taken away from Sword and Shield. Yes, yeah, exactly. but it probably does to a point, right? Like, and who cares? They're still making good games, and Sword and Shield's still going to be a very good game. Uh, Nintendo has pretty high quality checks. Yeah, I mean, this is Game Freak. They have more money than is possible from Pokemon, and I think this doesn't look like a particularly expensive game to make. I don't think Sword and Shield is going to suffer for little town hero any yeah it seems like a very safe deviation they're not putting too much into it but enough that it's going to look polished and come out all right it's Mm -hmm. it seems like a lighter rpg in a lot of ways so i'm excited to see what's going to come out of it yeah what if it's actually just like cyberpunk 2077 (laughs) it's just gonna take forever all of a sudden just get this massive budget to create this game yeah they're just waiting for sword and show to be done then just reallocate the whole team into this Mm mm-hmm Wow. And it just balloons out. Millions of towns you have to defend. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> other games that are cute and endearing, though, uh, are Link's Awakening and both Dragon Quest uh, 11s. I mean, Link's Awakening, we got a little more details on our cute little, uh, like, almost like Nintendo Land kind of take on the Link's Awakening world. Mm-hmm. And a little more coverage on the whole thing that's going to work with the Amiibos. You can kind of trade dungeons. Something I probably won't get a lot of unless like Gwen's dad also gets it on his switch and then maybe Gwen will want to like create dungeons and challenge her mom and I to get through them and such. Excellent. But otherwise I don't think it's gonna be much. I hope she puts you through the ringer. Yeah. She really <laughs> loved that with uh Mario Maker. Mario Maker trying to yeah. make Mario Maker levels and stuff. We hadn't got Mario Maker too, but back with the original one on the Wii, she loved making levels and being like, play them now. And they weren't always the hardest, but they also weren't always possible. Because like, she also wouldn't go through the caveat of like, I have to beat it to publish it thing. She would just yeah. make it and then go back to the start and be like, now you do. And I was like, can you even beat this? <laughs> when there's like six Koopas spewing fire at us? Like, anyways. Uh, so yeah, I'd be curious to see what she would build. Are you all going to get in on the Link's Awakening adventures? Not me. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but but uh, I've never been so a 2D no Zelda, Zelda fans here, eh? Well, I am, but I've just never like been into 2D Zelda games for whatever reason. I, I tried to in the past, like I just 3D, couldn't do though. it. Kind of, but it's still 2D Zelda. Not 3D enough. <laughs> I, I've played I've played quite a, a bit of Legend of Zelda. I think I've I've played through five of the games in the series. But I'm just I'm just not in a uh, in a Legend of Zelda space in my life i guess right now <laughs> i think i've told linker this... on a break <laughs> yeah i suppose something like that so what was that leona i think i've told this story before but the only zelda game i ever played was uh the leg- the, the past one where there's like time link travel link to the past yeah when i was like five and i the start of it scared me so much i never played another zelda game ever again <laughs> 
That's adorable and endearing <laughs> as heck. Oh my god! Like, it's like all dark and rainy, and then you find a skeleton and it's got a sword, and I'm like, oh, that's too much for me. Your uncle dies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's <an> opening moments, <laughs> and well, it's that's like 100% afraid. of the game for me. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> His uncle dies, game's over, it's done. Oh my gosh, that was a tragic tale. Why did I waste my time? <laughs> well, like Gwen's afraid of uh, the Redeads, especially in the ones in oh, Wind Waker. Redeads, we yeah. haven't introduced her to Ocarina of Time ones, but like that was the one thing. She's like, she loves everything about Wind Waker, but she always has to like leave the room when Redeads are involved. And even now, that was the playthrough she witnessed with her mom was when she was like, I think five or going on six or whatever. And it's been yeah. like three years now since, four years, and she's still like, I was like, so you think you could do the Wind Waker? She's like, oh, I don't know, the Redeads. I'm like, you're nine. Like, <laughs> pretend you know this. I mean, uh, I also have the kind of childhood trauma in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask of the Skulltellas. That face just always gets me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like the deformed, like like the family themselves that were deformed into the spiders, or just the Skulltella skulls? No, just the Skulltella skulls. You just, like, have, especially on N64, where they're really creepy. Yeah, it's true, because they're, they're so, like, basic and janky. <laughs> Or then there's like that weird uh, monster down in like the spirit temple with the hands and looks like something out of a Marilyn Manson music video. Oh yeah, uh, that but boss, yeah. that's creepy. Yeah, there's some some creepy stuff out there in those games. But I don't know, I think it's good. Uh, what Jim Henson said, you know, scaring kids naturally is a healthy way to introduce them to fears and help them cope with things. So I think it's, you know, it's good to have these little I've freaky moments the, and learn to get through it. Yeah, I've been watching The Dark Crystal on Netflix and I, even I'm scared as an adult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where it came up actually. We were talking about The Dark Crystal. I haven't watched the yeah. new series yet. That's I want really to go back good. and watch the movie. I've heard such good things and I'm really excited good. for that game we're going to get eventually too. Yes. Um, but yeah, so with Link's Awakening, I have never actually gotten through Link's Awakening myself, so I'm excited to have this kind of fresh coat of paint on it to get into it and just seeing kind of what tweaks and everything they bring to it. Uh, and I mentioned the other cute thing was Dragon Quest Eleven. S. Not that the game itself is cute, but I think it's cute that we get the whole like 2D experience. We get to play it retro style if you want, and that's really endearing. Idea. How would you all want to play it? I mean, I'd probably play it first in 3D, and then if I ever went back to it, like I'd might play it in 2D. I already played it a what fair is... bit on PS4 and 3D, so I might just go like a lot of 2D stuff for the Switch release. Uh, I have never played a Dragon Quest game before. So, so this is going to be my first one. I'm probably going to play it in 3D, but, you know, switch to 2D in some, in some instances. But You could almost give yourself, like, a history lesson right there by playing it through first in 2D and being like, oh, this is what I was missing, and then playing it through in 3D. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, what I was, uh, that's what I was thinking about it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely getting that day one. Um, I basically only get a quote-unquote new game besides a Pokemon game. Um, day one, like once every two years. So, so I think this is going to be that game for me. Yeah, that's great. We have to introduce you uh, a, a gentleman named Mike Solosi. And how to introduce you best? Just I, did the I, uh, new retro encounter episode with Dragon Quest. I've listened to a lot of the uh, retro encounter Dragon Quest episodes, and I'm going to be listening to the newest one when I'm at the gym today. So. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I have uh, a decent knowledge of some Dragon Quest, uh, despite never having picked up a controller and played it. So yeah, it's pretty easy to come by around uh, the staff here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like me. I've never played it as Zelda really, but I know some things just from the fact that everyone talks about it. Well, exactly. For myself, I think it's going to translate really well to playing 2D just on the Switch in handheld mode. 
whereas I may not want to do it in 3D as much. And I'm one, mm -hmm. I'm guessing you don't have to start, you can switch back and forth. You don't have to play the game through all as one thing once you've selected it. So I, I feel like I've, on right. the TV, I'll do it 3D. And then when I wanted to take it on the go, I can put it into 2D and just so that way I can make out everything a bit easier. I don't know. I'm not sure. That just seems to be my initial instinct. But as everyone knows, this is going to be the definitive version. We'll get all the best music in it. So it won't be those garbage tracks that run the other ones. <laughs> and uh, and we get all the additional story development. So I'm excited to play the Fro version of this. I'm glad I held out in hopes that the Switch version would be the one to get. So I'm excited. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sharp, Effie Encore. Yeah. Uh, you were excited yes. about that. Do go on. Oh, okay. I, I was... I actually got spoiled on this because uh, I was at work and then I started to pop into my friend's conversation because we were making plans to go for dinner. And one of them was just like, hey, Tokyo Mirage Sessions out on Switch. I was just about to watch it direct and I was getting, <laughs> I was actually kind of mad about that. But I can't believe yeah. that I'll exist in this universe now because Tokyo Mirage Sessions is one of my all-time favorite games. So, so having this game on now on Switch and with all the enhanced features, like there's a couple characters that are in, that are in the game that were cut from the original version. So... I'm I'm just ready to go back into Token Mirage Sessions and play again. Yeah, I'm really mad. I'm really upset about this, to be honest, because I bought a Wii U like eight months ago to play this game. And they come out with the Switch remaster I never thought was going to happen. Yeah, I know the feeling where you're, <laughs> you're ready to like, I'm hanging on to this system just for this thing, and then they announce yeah. the thing, and I mean, it's what one that you just bought recently, for? but... Yeah, no. <laughs> what else well, it's like, you know, Mario Maker, but then they made Mario Maker 2 now, and then I'm just like, mm, that Wii's looking like a, a lot more like a dust collector now. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> that Wii's getting put away yeah. now. Well, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, is it a rhythm game? I don't know. I don't know anything about the, the game. No, this. It's, like, it's like a Persona game, sort of. Oh, okay. Yeah, but with, like, uh, JRPG... Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, J-pop music. Uh, you're like a uh, up-and-coming uh, idol, and you're oh, working. Right. The rest of your party members are also up-and-coming idols, so it's That's got that right. sort of Japanese media sort of theme throughout. It's I a very Derek talking about it back in the day and the idol culture in it. Yeah, it's a it's a very like glossy sort of view of idol culture. It's very like the the good side of it more so than the bad side of it. I would say, but it has some moments. And it's a really there, good game. And then there, are, so there are Fire Emblem characters in it, correct? Yes. Well, there the, are, the, so, the, like, yeah. I guess you consider your personas in in the game are the Fire Emblem characters. So you get like oh. characters like Krom and Tiki from. Well, I guess Tiki's not Mirage, but uh, you get Krom and Sita from Awakening and the Shadow Dragon, respectively. So the, those characters are kind of like. That's basically all Fire Emblem really has in it. There's the Weapon Triangle from Fire Emblem as well. But that's really all the Fire Emblem there is in this game. There's not a lot of, like, Fire Emblem elements in Tokyo no. Session. It's way more of an SMT Persona game. Yeah. You don't need to know about anything about Fire Emblem to play it. Like, so, you you're not messing it. So, in, like, Intelligent didn't have, like, any hand in making this really then. Yeah, they just kind of, like, gave, gave the go-ahead to use a couple... Fire Emblem characters, then? I, 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 get, I get the feeling it was supposed to be a lot more than that, but I don't think Atlas knew what to do with 
how to incorporate Fire Emblem into it. So I guess they mm-hmm. were just like, okay, we're just gonna make our own game. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like they announced it. It's Shin Megami Tensei X Fire Emblem, and everyone was like, oh my god, the possibilities! And then it just comes out as like a Shin Megami Tensei game with a Persona skin. <laughs> but it's a really good game. So yeah, it's a really good game. I don't know if I really like. I'm so bad at describing this stuff, but. It's a really great game, and you should give it a shot. It's not, like, the greatest game on the planet, I'll just say that. But uh, it's just a very charming game. Like, it's a game that I've actually just legitimately fell in love with. So I'm hoping more people give it a shot on Switch now. And I do recall Derek saying if um, the district that it takes place in was a very true to the architecture of the entire neighborhood. Like, it's like a one-for-one kind of you're walking through the streets of that district of Tokyo, too. Yeah, if I recall, it's yeah, really yeah. neat. I feel That's like I've walked cool. through Tokyo city center in RPGs more than I've walked through Glasgow city center in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I've played so many RPGs that feature Tokyo. <laughs> that makes sense, though, given the culture of it. Is there yeah. any really like games set in Scotland? <laughs> no, <laughs> don't think so. Eh? Yeah, not a lot of like Japanese games for sure. A couple of Western I games, mean, but not yeah, nothing from Japan. There might be some, like, I know, well, I know we make games. I mean, Rockstar is here in Edinburgh. They make Grand Theft Auto and stuff. Uh, but oh, I don't think anything is set in Scotland, unless it's probably some weird educational Viking game. <laughs> they should make some sort of alternate history RPG where it's uh, where it's Nobunaga against William Wallace. Oh, I think that would be really interesting. <laughs> excellent. I mean, it never happened, but yes, do it. <laughs> or where the Bonnie Prince actually wins, and you're actually like taking over England or something. Could be I mean, the closest we got was Shadow Hearts, but they only went to England. They were so close, but they never came up to Scotland. <laughs> well, I would play uh, Scotland Mirage Sessions. We'll just say Excellent. that. <laughs> the Divinity Original Sin 2 is coming over to the Switch. I played a bit of that at PAX a few years ago. I kind of liked it. Uh, I played it with Annette thinking she might be into it as well, and uh, she wasn't because she, she's like, the game looked and felt kind of like her days of playing WoW, but it didn't play mm-hmm. like that. So she just kind of bounced off it where she's like, I, and it's just the frustrations of, I don't have time to learn a new game that seems interesting and kind of what I should know. I feel like I should just know this. So she just was out and I was like, oh, because it could have been a fun party game to play. Um, not party as in like Mario Party, but party as in just the her and I could adventure together. But yeah. there's other things we can do with that. But it's it's a really nice looking game, and I'm glad it's coming to the Switch because, again, like the tactical RPG and action RPG of that that kind of top down isometric setting, I think it's going to lend itself well to that. I haven't played Diablo on the Switch myself, and I don't know. I don't think either any of you folks have either. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, it's not, I don't think, you're all a part of the JRPG crowd, at RPG fan, so it's the wrong audience for me to I'm, bring up. I mean, I played Diablo 3, just not on Switch, I played it on PC. Oh, very, gotcha. very, very briefly, though, I didn't really get into it that much. Aha, see? <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know, yeah, for those who like Divinity, now you got another place to play it, but it's kind of neat that it's coming over like that with Torchlight and Diablo, it's nice that it's not just... Uh, JRPG machine now, like the Western RPGs are hitting it beyond just like uh, the Elder Scrolls and Witcher. So, uh, this is really nice that uh, Divinity 2 uh, Switch Edition could also come with uh, cross saves for PC, which I think is like it's a big thing. That's really mm-hmm. smart to let people, yeah, just jump over. And then it also opens up the whole can of what kind of fun DLC 
stuff will they involve with Nintendo? Like, you could bump into Link for all we know, right? Or you could have Fire Emblem crossover because it kind of would fit the the world or something that looks like it or even just, like, items from it. Like, you find, like, the Hero Shield. Like, it's just fun little things like that. It could be really easy Easter eggs to insert now that it's on Nintendo as well. And then what's finally hitting the Switch that everybody has been... Uh, speculating for ages and we knew it was eventually going to come and there was like a data mine on it way back when they first announced uh, all the nintendo games on the switch and they found that the super nintendo controller logo thing was on there as well so it was it was bound to happen but we're finally getting super nis games on the nintendo switch which for me Mm. makes switch online so much more worthwhile yes i mean i was even contemplating it yesterday finally getting it so we'll see if i actually get it or not but it's probably a selling point for me well yeah and especially like they have some a lot of launch titles that were already on, like the NES, the SNES Mini, uh, or mm-hmm. sorry, the SNES Classic, uh, which I have. So part of me was like, eh, we'll see how the library expands. But getting Breath of Fire on there, the original, was kind of a draw for me because that's something I'd like to go back to. I've gotten through most of it uh, back in the days of ROMing, and uh, now I'd actually have a legit way to play it again, which would be really kind of neat. What's a ROM? I've never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you live in a very pure life, Leona. <laughs> Uh, just but yeah, that for me. <laughs> <laughs> just completely remove yourself from any negative talk of that conversation. <laughs> You're innocent, totally innocent. I buy it, uh, and uh, yeah. But Breath of Fire, I've only I, I started on Breath of Fire three, uh, and I don't, uh, I never got around to four. But uh, it's a yeah, it was a great game, and I want to go back and see how the sort series all kind of got started. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any particular? Switch RPGs, sorry, SNES RPGs that you're hoping kind of get brought back to life? Uh, Lithia 2 should be on there, I think. Oh, that'd be a fun deep cut. I, I, did a, I did a podcast, the Retro Encounter 2 episodes on that recently. Uh, not recently, maybe a few months ago we did that, but it's a super good RPG. One of my favorite RPGs on the SNES. It was because of the that Retro that I was able to go look up Luffy and Luffy 2 and be like, oh my gosh, this is a gem that I missed. Oh, really? That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited if they were to bring that. I would dive in wholeheartedly. And uh, what about you two, Joe and Nathan? Is there any SNES RPGs that you'd be into? I know, Nathan, it's not really your bag, but anything you would be re- interested in revisiting for history purposes? Um, I'm trying to think of anything that I would want to go back to that's not currently on SNES Classic or on Virtual Console. Uh... I mean, Stunt Race FX is 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't Can't hate see it. I mean, it's not that I, I hate 2D games. It's just a little bit outside of like where I grew up. So, because I grew up on 64, and that was my like. So my first game experience was in 3D. And that's totally fair. It's a generational thing by all means. Although um, I am kind of uh, excited that Stunt Race FX is coming to them as well. That is a game I had a lot of fun with, and it's weird, janky <laughs> driving mechanics. It's so bouncy and bizarre, and your car smashing apart was really funny. Uh, Joe, is there anything on the SNES that you want to play again? Um. So. So things I've, uh, once again, generational thing, first console was a PS1. Um, so I didn't play a SNES you until... I'm sorry. I'm sorry we grew <laughs> yeah. up too, too, uh, yeah. sorry. too long. I'm ago. sorry I was born, Greg. You <laughs> <laughs> get um, born faster. <laughs> uh, so my first encounter uh, with the SNES was when I got the SNES Classic a few months back, and I played through... Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III, uh, as it shows up on the title screen, and uh, Earthbound then. So I'd be really interested to play Final Fantasy V for the job system. 
Um, That'd be great if they ported that over. Yeah, because I, I really love the, the job system and tactics. Um, and it kind of has its origins from five and then, you know, from three as well. But yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, that and also the, the quintet games, uh, like Terra uh, Nigma is one that I've uh, really been interested to play. Um, oh, yeah, if they brought Terra Nigma, it. it would blow the roof off people. I, and that was, I don't think that was officially released in the United States, right? It was it was a weird uh, game that got a you Japanese and PAL, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it didn't get an American release, I don't believe. So there's hope then, because, yeah, it's been translated to English, so there's a hope that we'll get it over here at some point then. That would be amazing. Yeah. Was there ever an English translation, like an official one for Final Fantasy V on the SNES, or would it just be the GBA one? It would just be the GBA or the PlayStation one, of course, but the PlayStation yeah. one we wouldn't get on the SNES thing. Yeah, it was yeah. just the GBA, so I don't know if we actually would get it. Interesting. And who knows, maybe this will be the way they release Mother 3. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> crossed. But uh, as other things, uh, we had some more Pokemon and Shield news come out here, so we got some new Pokemon, uh, Pol T guys. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> I'm happy. <It> is quite <laughs> endearing. So that was a moment where the, like, all the Pulti guys will only let like trainers that loves drink its tea, and I was just like, yeah. I'm like "What does that mean?" The <laughs> you can, it's a it's a it's a strainer. Like you can brew tea in the ghost Pokemon, and then it all keeps all the tea leaves inside of its body. But its, bo- it but its body is made of tea. Yes, as tea. <laughs> it's possessed tea. So the the real question is: It a ghost fire type or a ghost water type? The ghost ceramic type. <laughs> <laughs> it's ghost ah, yes. It's the new that's gonna be the new type they introduce in this generation. Yeah. Ceramic type Pokemon. It's highly specific. Breaks to everything. Exactly. Fight weak against rock, fight against steel. Fighting type against... is eight times effective against it. Yeah, yeah, weak against fighting, weak against normal, weak against accidents. It's um... not a great type. Okay. <laughs> it's best friends with glue type. And then we also got Cramorant, which uh, I love. I mean, I love him just for his traumatized expression. Uh, <laughs> he just, just keeps, it just wants to eat. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to keep getting interrupted. I'm surprised it wasn't like a Pokemon fish that he spits out, like a Magikarp or something. It's just like a random trout or whatever. I'd love to be able to fire Magikarps at people. It would have been really funny, and, and who knows? That could be something they get in. Like maybe if you happen to get, uh, yeah, a known Pokemon that's more like a critical hit or something with it. Or, maybe. Who knows? Or just maybe the thought would be too traumatizing for the kids to see their beloved Pokemon. Be I like, mean, the anime eaten. eats a Magikarp. Like the, the human characters, like cook and eat a Magikarp. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Exactly. Yeah, they all eat Magikarp or something. It's like weird. I don't. It's, it's one of those weird Pokemon anime things that you just don't try to think about too much. But they actually exactly. Eat it's like they're eating something. What are they eating? Like, is it all mill tanks? Like, I don't know. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a weird one. But I love the fact that it's on command, just like vomits food at things. I'm just going to think of it like the, the same with the tea thing, the tea Pokemon. I'm just going to like, it's going to be, it's just like a bee. It's just like a bee. You eat the honey, you, you drink the tea. It's nothing scary. <laughs> it's nothing scary. <laughs> Tea's never been more terrifying. Yeah. Po- Pokemon Sword and Shield. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> exactly. It's basically like the entire banner for the entire series as a whole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't read into it too much. You hear uh, that, Peter? Yeah, no kidding. Ugh, they're digital. We're not doing this for real. And uh, I don't think we got 
Well, yeah, there was the camp thing. That was the other big news thing they dropped to is that you can go camping with your friends and you can play with each other's Pokemon and you can use cat toys and stuff. It looks like basically on everything and to varying degrees of success. A lot of them I saw in the video were swapping them away. I guess you just, I'm, I'm assuming it takes a certain level of friendship, kind of like it did in um, X and Y too, when you had the whole, like where you could pet your Pokemon and if you yeah. pet the wrong spot, they were not fans. Yeah. And also you make curry, which is like, and but not just curry, the weirdest flavors of curry I've ever seen. What's toast curry? What's, <laughs> what's that? Is this curry with toast? You shove it in a toaster and then shake it out. Never heard of that. It's like sausage curry. I'm like, um, I don't think that's a traditional Indian curry or anything. It's a traditional Galar curry, okay? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, Apparently, it's, it's English Galar. curry. <laughs> exactly. Like, Galar is supposed to be based on the UK. Not England. The UK. I said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, So they're like, what's the food, national food of the UK? Ah, yes, curry, which is true. And like, what else is British? Sausages, toast, put it all in a curry. Well, I mean, if they're going to make if they're going to make a Pokemon game based on the UK, you have to keep the imperial trappings. Like you, like you can't not have that. So I just yeah, assume, yeah, I just assume that they're going to be like, oh yes, this is the curry that came from the Gala region and nowhere else. No, no colonies are harmed in the making of this curry. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Start getting into the colonial oppression of. Yeah. Pokemon and its people. Oh my gosh, that'll be what the team is like. The, the, the team rocket of this will be about. It will be the colonialists. Why yeah, did Seafoam Islands never get their own game? Oh, see, this is just like Pokemon. Just don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna be it. The banner has to have the little yeah. music note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but that was about it for Pokemon. Uh, it's looking like it's gonna be a good game, and yeah, hopefully. Haters don't hate on Little Town Hero because of it, or vice versa. Like they're just they're working real hard, folks. Let them make a great game and just be happy with what we get. And finally, the thing that none of us expected, but I kind of had this thought several months ago. Wonder if we would get the remaster of it, and it came true. We got Xenoblade Chronicles from the yes. Wii to the 3DS, yes. and now onto the Switch, being remastered in the glory it kind of deserves because it was. A great game on the Wii, and it looked mm -hmm. all right for the Wii, but it definitely was pushing that system to try and get mm -hmm. the look it needed. And so, being on the Switch, it's night and day. Like it's gorgeous looking this remaster, yes. and it's going to bring that world to life so beautifully. We finally have a perfect game now. The only one thing Zelda Chronicles was lacking was just the graphics. Now it has yeah. it. It was okay for the the Wii at the time, I suppose, but like it's definitely not aged well. I was worried that it wouldn't get a remaster because of the version that they put on the new 3DS a few years back. Because I thought they were going to be like, "Well, that's it. We made yeah, we made a handheld version that's you know lesser than the Wii version." So <laughs> we we did it, boys. <laughs> I mean, it looks a bit more polished, but yeah, it's, I don't know how it performed otherwise. Yeah, and it uh, was so specific, too, because it was one of the ones that like, you had to have a new 3DS for. Yeah. Mm, it was like yeah. that. It was like that, and um, what was it? One of the Fire Emblem games, was it? Uh, Shadows. Shadows? Of, yeah. uh, Echoes. Echoes. Uh, Shadow of... I Valentia. forget. Yeah. Shadows Fire of Valentia. Valentia. Yeah. There we yeah, go. I can't yeah. want to say Valentina, but that's not right. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just weird that they had that attempt at trying to make things specifically for the new 3ds and then the backlash was not well received or 
there yeah. the, the idea wasn't well received so there was backlash and then they thankfully just started moving forward like we'll do everything on both then <laughs> yeah it was i think xenoblade chronicles was either the first review i did for rpg fan or one of the first so it's a very special rpg for me as well oh. uh, i reviewed that before it was even like coming out in the usa because operation rainfall was a thing at the time and there was like yeah. three games part of operation rainfall that just weren't sure they were going to be released in the usa mm-hmm. so me being the, like the only eu reviewer at the time got xenoblade chronicles and uh, gave it editor's choice it's definitely one of my favorite games i managed to pick it up uh, when it was again, it's rare release around like I think it was around the holidays. I want to say because I remember being at a family Christmas and then went out and tracked it down and I was like, oh, I got it. Or maybe, oh no, I'm thinking that's Rune Factory Frontier, which was also a very rare limited release. Yeah, I got that yeah. one, and but yeah, and I got and I got uh, Xenoblade Chronicles not too long after when it had its very limited release here as well, and I was very excited. And it, it's such a fun JRPG romp through. Like it's it's got its tropes, but it also subverts a lot of it and just has such a great overarching story for all of its convoluted mess and the soundtrack oh the soundtrack though yeah like the music is stellar yeah just wander around so many of those regions for ages and now it's going to be that much more amped up i'm sure and it's just going to look so pretty can't wait yeah 2020k comes soon enough uh i'm okay for it holding off because there's way too many games to play which is some of what we're going to talk about now we've had a bunch of new releases uh september Third, 2019, marked another remaster, Final Fantasy VIII, which on my notes, I, for some dumb reason, wrote FF8, like the number, and then wrote 8 again in Roman numerals, just really making sure that I remember that this is Final Fantasy VIII. They're really churning uh, out those Final Fantasies. We're up to 8-8 eight, eight already. Yeah. Right? So that, <laughs> Good old Final Fantasy what, 8 plus 8. Now that's what I call Final Fantasy. <laughs> we got Final Fantasy 10-1, 10-2, 10-3. We've got Final Fantasy 8-1, 8-8. Oh man, that would be if they, mm, yeah, no, that's a whole different speculative conversation. But at any rate, uh, Joe and Leona, you've both been playing Final Fantasy VIII Remaster. Which one of you is reviewing it for the site? Not me. Nope. Not nobody. Not oh no, wait. Uh, neither of you are because Alana is. That's what's yeah. happening. Uh, you're just playing it for funsies. Uh, I was like, right, Joe, you, you're, you're too busy putting out the news and Leona slapping people on Discord. But you've both been playing it. That's Caitlin's job, actually, to slap people on Discord. (laughs) (laughs) You've uh, you've farmed out the work. Uh, Yeah, yeah. She's she's the she's the Punisher on there. (laughs) It's the the whole good cop bad cop routine. Yeah, exactly. It's a good system. You got it going. (laughs) But uh, yeah, how is the the remaster shaping up for you two? I mean, Um, it's it's Final Fantasy VIII, and I love Final Fantasy VIII for all its flaws, and it's definitely the prettier version of it. It's, it's really it's giving people face definition, so that's good instead of just being blobs. They're actually handsome and can be proved uh, now. Yes, as in the famous meme that's been going around the internet, the handsome, the most handsome dude in the room. Yeah, it's so. This is my first time playing Final Fantasy VIII, as I've uh, talked about a little bit with some of y'all. I've was kind of late to the RPG party. And so I didn't finish a Final Fantasy game until um, seven months ago. So now I've played six, seven, nine tactics, and now I'm playing through eight. So never nice. played it before, um, but I really, I'm really liking it so far. The <laughs> the junctioning system is um, a a mess of <laughs> epic proportions that I can't help but respect. 
because it's just like wow yeah. you really you really went there um, something was attempted on this menu and i can see that yeah like so yeah it, it's final fantasy 8's junction system should just be described with that little star with the comic sans it's just said you tried um, <laughs> but, i think a lot of people like it i like i like it more for like the the elements you conjunction and the mm-hmm. status effects you conjunction i think that's great that kind of works out well it's only it gets a bit funny when you start putting like firaga on your attack stat and you just blow everything up or like curaga yeah. on your i think you can get curaga stupid early like by the first town and uh, you can refine tents and the mm-hmm. curaga and that just gives you like nine thousand HP just to play the game with. So it gets a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's it's really uh, easy to break. Which uh-huh. once you understand it, it's very satisfying yes. as a system because you're like, oh, I get the science of this, and now I can really break it down. Like I, for myself, mm-hmm. bounced off Final Fantasy VIII the first time I tried it because I was like, I don't know, whatever, you know, I can't <laughs> get this. And then when I moved out here uh, to Vancouver nine years ago, I was like, I'll give this another shot. And then I actually like understood it. And understood how the system worked was i guess just paying better attention because i wasn't a dumb kid anymore and <laughs> once i understood it i was like oh my gosh the system's so fun just to like mess with and just yeah. really ruin this game it's, it's definitely one of those systems it's like it looks more complicated than it really is i mean when you really break it down it's not that difficult but just when you're faced with something like that because you don't see many games with that sort of system it, it becomes it's quite daunting it can definitely scare some people off yeah so actually, so I actually played before playing the remaster. I played I played about an hour and a half of it on PS Vita because after I'd finished Tactics, I was like, okay, I'm gonna play eight now. And I started playing eight, and as soon as like with within the time as I first started playing eight, there was a rumor that there was going to be a remaster um, announced at E3, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I just got this, and then and then the next day they fully announced the remaster. So I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to wait for that and pick that up. (laughs) (laughs) So I got Ifrit and then just stopped. (laughs) Where Um, where are you up to now in the remake? I am in... Let's see. I just finished the train part. Right. Okay, Um, so you're in Timber. Yes, I'm in Timber and I'm currently just got past the bar. Um, I think I'm about, uh, I'm about nine or so hours, nine or 10 hours into it. I played a lot of triple triad, so. (laughs) (laughs) Triple triad is like really fun though. It's weirdly addictive. It is weirdly addictive. And you just get like the most amazing prizes from it. If you refine the cards, it's like, it's like the opposite of Final Fantasy IX's card game, which is pointless and dumb and you get nothing for it. Yeah, except for the except for the one story beat, I was like, yeah. I, I'm enjoying this, but I have no reason to actually play it. But then with this one, um, with this one this morning, I got the um, the Angelo card um, right. from from Watts, and yeah, yeah, and then if you, I've seen that if you refine that, you can get a hundred elixirs, which is. <laughs> kind of game breaking but yeah those character cards you only get one of though but you yeah. do get like amazing like i was like i always refine i play the card to refine the cards yeah so <laughs> and i'm trying to do the the queen of cards quest as well oh. but I, oh. I i tend to go through games only looking at a guide when it's like oh there's an important side quest that i'm gonna miss or something yeah. but yeah you it you cannot do this without no 
I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, it must have been to sell a guide at some point. <laughs> this oh, gee, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the official FFA uh, guidebook that just tells you to go to play online. No, wait, that was the Final Fantasy IX one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guidebook that just tells you, go to play online, and then you, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, that was rough, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were trying to market that money. How do you all who have played it... Uh, or played it in the past feel about the story in it. So far I'm I'm pretty interested. I don't know a whole lot about it. You know, I had the, the dream sequence with Laguna. Is that how I pronounce yeah. it? Laguna? Laguna. I, I say Laguna, but uh, Laguna? Okay. Like like Laguna Beach. Okay. Yeah, that's how I say it anyway. Yeah, it seems it seems very interesting. And I'm seeing some of the themes that are starting to kind of come up in it of mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to see essentially a mercenary group um with you know Bellum Garden and Seed, but it's headed by Sid who seems to have some sort of ideology. Because uh, yeah. he's like he's <laughs> he's saying, you know, I want to help out this resistance group against the uh Galbadian forces. So and mm-hmm. for not much money. So I, I don't know if that'll change or what's going on there, but I'm interested. I don't want to say too much about the story to spoil it or anything. Sure. I just it's definitely one of the Final Fantasies that's maybe the most wild ride you go on in the story. It definitely goes places. Like, wow, goes some crazy places. <laughs> Whether you're, they're good or bad places, but they definitely go there. Yeah, and it's got a lot of uh, drama for drama's sake sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, it's it's very much after-school special, 902 and 0 kind of vibe with its cast and how they all try and sort through their emotions and each other's relationships and all that sort of stuff in a different way than nine or seven did on the playstation like i had a friend ages ago that would say like final fantasy 7 was like your typical anime Uh final fantasy 9 was like you know your saturday morning cartoon and final fantasy 8 was like the emo after school special (laughs) (laughs) and he was not really all that wrong (laughs) so so it is so it is basically laguna beach then (laughs) (laughs) it all comes back around whatever But yeah, it's it's got a lot going for it. it. I was surprisingly into the story myself when I went through it the second time and actually understanding it. But fun fact, when I got to the very end of the game, uh, I wasn't quite ready for it. So I, but I somehow managed to scrape through. I just didn't know. Oh, this is it. Oh crap! My I did not prep my party right, and I oh, managed okay. to get through. And then when I went through and I got all like the cutscene at the end, everything was gibberish that was coming up in the text boxes. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just some sort of weird, bizarre dream sequence. I don't understand. Cool. And then I went through and I was like, okay, I guess it's done. And it yeah. wasn't until a few years later I decided to look it up on YouTube. And like, just my copy somehow had glitched out at that point. So it all <laughs> oh, just that's scrambled the text. So I was like, I, I didn't know what was happening. I love the idea that you thought <laughs> that Final Fantasy VIII is so wild that it could have just been gibberish in the game. And you're like, yeah, that works. That that fits the game. <laughs> and that's the thing, is it didn't seem out of context for the game. I was like, yeah, this that's the screw ride I just went on. Not yes. even jelly in quite levels, but it's there. Yeah. So that's what you've got to look forward to, Joe. <laughs> Final, exactly. Final Fantasy VIII, Metal Gear Solid 2 edition. <laughs> Featuring Evangelion <laughs> applause. Yes, you did it. You finished. Um, no, it's not that bad. But yeah, it just it, it, yeah, it didn't seem too out of the norm because of how like all the 
the story kind of works around itself and the wonkiness of it, it like it was like yeah that's that's what this is cool and then i figured they might explain it i was like no i guess they didn't but yeah i came to find out my <laughs> i was just glitched out all right <laughs> it was just a really weird specific glitch but yeah, uh, i don't know how i found it <laughs> right i'm <laughs> don't know if i'll get to eight remaster just yet i don't know i'm one of those people same with like the xenoblade Chronicle remaster. I have a hard time with certain ones if I already own the game and my system yeah. still works just fine. And I personally don't have an issue with the graphics. The only thing that attracts me is the same thing that I liked about Final Fantasy IX is the quality of life improvements that they're there, right? Like the boosts and stuff. Do they oh, put yeah. those in the disc? Yes, they do. Yeah. They are. And it uh, makes it nice for you just wanting to like plow through the story and not think too much about how to grind and set up your characters if you want. Like I like those little quality of life things depending on how you feel like playing the game. Exactly, definitely improved Final Fantasy IX because Final Fantasy IX's battle screen transitions took about at least a decade each one, so having the speed up <laughs> option for them was so good. It's less of a problem in eight, but you can still use it for that, and it's like, yes. Well, it's and even lot. just the um, the espers or whatever, the summons uh-huh. are. And then you can't get, can get the boost by smashing X and breaking your thumb, getting blisters in your thumb, try to get Eden to go 255. It's such right. a neat system but at the same time yeah you're just like ah in the very narrow window you have it and then now with the speed boost so you're going to be like boom do it and then turn on the speed boost just to get through the rest of the animation yeah i mean i will say this about final fantasy it's definitely got like the summons i probably like the most in it like it's got some weird eclectic ones and some ones that have never appeared again i don't think like I what's mean, sure like what, what was wrong with what, Rama? yeah what was wrong and or brothers or you know we need more Cactuar is a summon again. I, I'd love that. I think I think actually the Final Fantasy VII remake is going to have Cactuar as a summon, or was it Tornbreed? Oh, amazing! I can't remember, but I saw like, I like the... Diabolos. Diabolos oh, is yeah. cool. He had great uh, like abilities to junction with. He was really good. Mm-hmm. And there was really and Doom Train right? was brought back because the Doom Train was in seven as well. Oh. Yes. Am no, I wrong? no, he was just seven. Out? Hades was in seven, and he did all the status effects. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And then exactly. there was the um, the bull as well, which I guess Brothers kind of was aping on. Um, but yeah, you that there's that bull summon in seven that you never oh, yeah. saw again. Kijata or whatever. Yeah, Kijata. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, Brothers and Brothers are comic gold. Yes, they're so goofy. So are you saying, Joe? Oh, Diabolos messed me up because I, you know, I got the magical lamp. And Sid was like, be sure to say before you do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I was, and then I tried to fight him and I was not prepared for that. So I was like, no. well, thanks for the advice, Sid, because I'm going to try that again at a different point. So, yes. It's a good thing you listened to the advice. I know. I, thanks, I love, I love thanks, that Sid. scene, though. It's just like, oh, you're going on a special mission. Let me give you this cursed lamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has no it's relevance. Very important. <laughs> I just have cursed items lying around that I give to students. You're my favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get the most cursed of all. <laughs> oh dear. And then there's the um Cerberus is another weird one that's out of nowhere, but it has some like the triple and double abilities. Oh, yeah, it's really rad. Effect, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's really easy to once you get into all those different um espers and start junctioning them up and you go to Cactuar Island to power level them and all and everything and you start collecting all the magic and knowing all the little spots where you can go for everything you can yeah yeah, it's so fun to just break that game since everything levels with you which was kind of neat 
it definitely it definitely forces you to rethink the strategy. Like you can't just power level and no. blow through every, the game, which I do like that they tried to shake that up a bit by not making it a grind fest for like equipment, money, and whatever. Like it actually takes a little bit of strategy to work out how you're going to build your characters to to overcome the level parity. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's ended up being a case of that players just try to avoid random battles with <laughs> with their life, you know? It's yeah, once to... you get... Um, was it, is it Diablos who gives you the no encounters power? Yeah, but we also have a button just for that right off the bat now. Like oh, the... <laughs> what's <laughs> yeah. the point? Yeah, so it's kind of nullified his like, encounter none ability, which was highly necessary. Before. Sorry, spoilers for you, Joe. Oh, <laughs> I, already, I already knew about it, so okay, it's good. all good. Yeah, try not to get into two... Much story points, but abilities, I guess. Are GF's a free game. What, what was that? <laughs> GF's Guardian Force, that's the name. Oh, uh, what? Yes. Sorry, I use Guardian Force, that's what they're called. Oh, yes. Girlfriends. Not experts. Girlfriends. Girlfriends. I summon my girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> my, I summon my waifu, Shiva. <laughs> Which, the Shiva model, and that's really cool. Like, I like that the design. Really cool. yeah. it. I think and, yeah, the Final Fantasy X Shiva is my favorite Shiva. She she just like snaps her fingers and like everything pulls up. Or is that eight as well? Does she also do that in eight? Eight does it as well, I think too. Okay, yeah. so that's like a thing she does then. But yeah, yeah I, I, she's so. I mean, I she's not hair. a motorbike, but. Uh, don't, please don't. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Nope, nope, nope. Is this going to be a, a Final Fantasy that drags you in, uh, Nathan? Uh, maybe, but uh, are the just... remasters more appealing for you? They are. They are. I'll admit that. But uh, I have to find some time to play it in between all the other stuff. But so maybe I'll might pick it up at one point. But yeah, we'll see. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, well, you were also really busy, Nathan, playing the latest uh, Fire Emblem. Since we've been talking a bit about it today, actually, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses came out on July twenty sixth. You reviewed it for the website. It came yes, out did. in the EU on July twenty seventh. You were saying? Leon? I think so. I think it was a day later. I'm not sure. Yeah. And you've both been playing that game. I was going to be getting to it for Video Team. I just haven't yet because I was playing something else for review. But I'm looking forward to getting into it. I haven't played a Fire Emblem in earnest, I don't think, ever. And this will probably be the first for me. So, it's a good uh, start. It's a good, good yeah, start, get, yeah. Tell me about this. Let's go. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a pretty good place to start. It's like not terribly difficult. I was debating yeah. I was debating actually putting that in my review. I was wondering if I should like, call it out for being a little bit too easy. But... Um, it's a good place for for anyone who's new to come in. Mm-hmm. Like I used to think it was Awakening, but even Awakening is way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> Awakening is uh, is maybe easier on the normal difficulty, but like Lunatech is impossible. Like yeah, it's a weird it's, one for for yeah. Awakening. Well, as a lover of XCOM and that kind of strategy game, like these have always appealed to me, especially with the medieval fantasy kind of vibe as well. And yeah. I like there's kind of like the yeah, is lunatic or kind of basically essentially the same as like the Iron Man mode kind of thing, where like once your characters are dead, they're dead kind of thing, or no, well, that's no, the default. Yeah, that's the default. Yeah, that's the default. Yeah, you get an option at the start of the game. You can either go casual or classic. Casual at the end of the battle, all the fallen units come back to life, like they never died. Classic is the true Fire Emblem formula, and once a character is dead, they're dead. And then you get to pick your normal or hard difficulty after that. And is it similar to tactics where you have 
uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, where you have a chance to revive them in the battle, and if you can't do it by the end of the battle, they're done? Or how does no, that... No, no once they're dead, they're dead? They're dead, they're dead. Yeah. Oh. Because um, I like that in Tactics, that you at least have a few turns, and if you can't, then it's just like too bad, and you live with it. Unless you save mm-hmm. Scum, of course. No, but it's, once the unit goes down in Fire Emblem and you play on Classic, they're dead forever. Yeah, it's more like XCOM that way, man. Like XCOM, they're dead, they're dead. If you put them in the wrong position, yeah, exactly. they get hit by a crit. <laughs> Now, did you both play classic, or did you both do casual? I played classic. I did classic. I have to. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah, be Fire Emblem without it. I've played 150 hours of this game now. Uh, I'm I'm just so about I, there too. Yeah. So I played uh, classic normal my first playthrough, and then I played classic hard for my current my second playthrough, Blue Lion playthrough. I did Golden Deer first. Uh, I did Black Eagles first. I'm doing Golden Deer now. Right. And so, what are the three houses? So I got the Black Eagles, which is Edelgard's, which is the one everyone went gaga over the first time that the game was first revealed. <laughs> then there's the yeah. Blue Lions by led by Dimitri, and then the Golden Deer led by everyone's favorite Mimi boy, Claude. My upside down boy. Upside down boy. He's <laughs> <laughs> <pretty> Australian. <laughs> uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't get that, it's because like on the box art, Claude is upside down. So it just became like funny that all the other ones look so cool and then Claude's just hanging from the ceiling just yeah, on, yeah. No- on nothing. Like, was it on a tree or something? Like, hanging down? So that became a bit it's of a... Just how super <laughs> And the three houses, um, it all offers, I'm guessing, different storylines depending on who you champion. Yeah. So, like, the beginning of the game, like, the first, like, 11 or 12 chapters, the, the stories are, are the same, but uh, the perspectives that you get from each house will be different. Mm-hmm. So even though you're playing through the same, like, story chapters in, ish, in, the, in the beginning of the game, they still feel different because each house leader has a different idea of what's going on. And then, and then when you get the second half of the game, that's when ev- everything is different. Uh, it can be wildly different in the second half. Um... But yeah, it's, it, you also have your class who you choose at the start. So you're, you're just it's, it's a different playthrough just because you're getting to know this whole different class as well. While you're going through the normal story missions, the conversations you have with your class are one of the highlights of the game. They're incredibly well written, I think. Yeah, that's and the, the classes in like the group of students, not classes in like oh. your job class kind of thing, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I can't say anyone doesn't know about three houses. You play as a as a teacher or a professor for a school, so that's the reason why we say like class. We're referring to our like the class you you choose the houses. That's basically what yeah. we refer to. Gotcha. You have class. You're in a class, and you have a class. <laughs> yes, not, not to be confused with job classes, which are still in this game. Yes. <laughs> Well, and is that also unique between the three houses too? Do they each have different jobs that they have access to or anything like that? Like, does it really change up your play style as well when you pick one of the different houses? No, they're all the same. The only uh, characters that get different um, classes, like job classes, are the house leaders. And mm-hmm. uh, like everyone, every like individual member, every student has their own unique speciality. So they're better at some things than other students are. So even though. You, they can all go into whatever job they want. Like you, you can. Every class feels a bit different. Like Golden Deer is really focused on archery, so you'll have a lot of archers because it's a natural talent. While Black Eagles have more magic users, so that you'll end up having. So it plays definitely in that sense in the gameplay, just because of what what's made up your party. Yeah, so you have to change up like the start of the game, like based on your class's specialty. So 
like with blue lines, blue lines are focused a lot on like physical attackers or like mm-hmm. having like like strong front line. So you you usually play a little bit more aggressively with blue, with blue lines, but when you play black eagles or golden deer, you have to play a little bit more cautiously because your units will will die on the front lines pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, and it's then that's the whole the weapon triangle, right? Like the rock paper scissors of it all. So it's that's not in this one. Really, it's not in one. No, it's not. Um, it, it's it's more of a class thing in this one, where it's like this class encounter this this class kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you know, like uh, the st- job class, you mean? So yeah, st- stuff like you know, the mages will always be good against heavily armored units because they don't have a lot of magic defense. Like our archers will be good against any unit that can fly. So stuff like that. Right. It's kind of like um, I've been playing Wargroove again lately as well, and yeah, there's just different units are good against different things and weaker against others based on like it just you know how it makes sense. Like a mage will blast an aerial unit out of the sky same with archers will have a bonus against them as well but yeah when you face them against like a mounted uh horseman like it's going to yeah, tear through end. your mages and your archers and it won't end well yeah yeah more free form this fire emblem and like sort of way you build your characters compared yeah. to past yeah. fire emblems where it was like you this character is a knight he rides a horse and he can wield the lance that's that's all he can do that's all he can do and but like in this game every character can wield every weapon and can learn magic. It's like it's possible for them all oh, to learn. Like, cool. So yeah, you could train your students to be whatever they want. It's kind of like you tell your students, "Hey, you're good at this thing, but I think you have this kind of talent in you, and I want you to to, to become this unit instead." Mm-hmm. It's kind of stuff like that. You're just coaching them through life, through jobs. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Pass, pass your certification there. exams. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you actually you gotta make sure you pass you your exams. Your yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pass your exams. And uh, yeah, how uh, you're saying the interactions with the class is some of the best writing. Like the story itself is really engaging. Not to get too spoiler, uh-huh. of course, but yeah, it's it worth getting through for that as well. Not just the gameplay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, playing through the first half of the game is less of a chore just because you're getting to know all these new characters, and they've all got really great personalities, and they all feel real in the world. So they're all reflecting, giving you new insights into this world that you never on another path at all so it's like really well written i think yeah it's probably one of the best written phylum games in quite a, a while especially uh-huh. especially yeah. when we come off of like stuff like fates and <laughs> oh, awakening also wasn't like the best writing wise i just had fun with like the awakening just yeah. in general but not the best in terms of writing but this is like really well written like i yeah. still think um a couple of characters are some of the best written i think i've ever seen in Fire Emblem history Mm-hmm. It's definitely my favorite since like Path of Radiance, I think. Like, yeah, same here. Yeah, and all three houses go to the same school, so it's kind of like a Harry Potter thing where they're all in the same place, but you get divvied off into your different kind of house and specialty kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter or like any British school, because we actually do get divvied up into houses here in the UK. <laughs> gotcha. I was in uh, House House uh, Lee in my school. And how does how do you get divvied up? Is it just is it uh, arbitrary things, or is it based on Great, it's kind, how does that work? Of, kind of arbitrary. They try and mix it up. So, like, if we all went to different primary schools and towns, you would try and have a good mix of, like, make sure there's a diversity of people of different towns in your house so you'd get to meet new people rather than oh, just good. being uh, lumped with all the kids you grew up with. So well, that's nice. And then, yeah, yeah, it encourages you to mingle within your own house, exactly. but then you can still go catch up with your friends in other houses on more open time. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that's how it works. Oh, very neat. Yeah, I always wondered where <laughs> yeah. that system was rooted, if it was just like simply like a guild system and just to make Harry Potter stuff cool, or if it was actually rooted in actual UK yeah. um, school politics. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. 
<laughs> points, go. points and all. No, you got the uh, points. Ten points, Leona, for being great. Uh, <laughs> Gryffindor wins. <laughs> It's funny because I remember getting all these Harry Potter vibes, and it, it's not too far off, especially initially. It's like it when, looks just like Hogwarts. Yeah, <laughs> like when you start off the game, it's like kind of like lighthearted and fun, and then when you get to like the second part of the game, it's all dark, and you know, <laughs> all this stuff happens, and it's, it gets kind of crazy. True. Yeah, that's it's really true. And uh, Joe, coming late to the RPG genre as a whole, as you've been saying, uh, had Fire Emblem has Fire Emblem ever made its way onto your consoles, or is yeah. something that attracts you? Yeah, so I played two Fire Emblem games. Um, so I played uh, Sacred Stones like uh-huh. quite a while ago when it was what on, system Game, was that Boy, on? Game Boy oh, Advance. Sorry. You're about to say that. <laughs> so, um, and then I played through uh, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright when that came out. And I loved the the battle system and everything. But as has been, as has been already stated... The story is not uh, not very good and hot garbage. Yeah, because <laughs> like when I got it, I was like, "Oh, this looks really cool. I'm going to play through this, and I'm going to play through Conquest, and I'm going to play Revel- uh, Revelations." And then I finished Birthright, and I thought, "Do I do I really want to? Do I really care about too many of these characters?" Uh... Also, the, right, the, gigan- <laughs> the gigantic plot hole in Birthright's oh, yeah. Root, especially. What was that? Was the gigantic plot hole in Birthright's Root specifically that, was, that yes. never got addressed. Not to get too spoiler with it, but you talk about the children. No, I'm talking about the uh, the weird purple units that you encounter, and then and then you, you kind of fight them, and then you just kind of go through the rest of the game without really thinking about them like, ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But also the children aspect, and it was really weird too. No, we, yeah, we just huck our, our kids into other dimensions, and they grow up in like a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're fully mature, and we visit them once every fifteen years. That's mm-hmm. great parenting. It's like, is it though? And not it's like they say like we put them in these pocket dimensions to keep them safe. But there's like bandits and stuff in there. How is that more safe? Yeah. Papa, we t- put them in there to be safe, and every single one of them runs into some kind of trouble in them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so I definitely want to play Three Houses at some point, especially because so many of my friends and so many people at RPG Fan are playing it, where I'm like, oh, I need to get on this at some point. But yeah, in in the future, it will be played. You gotta satiate your FOMO. Yeah, yeah. I'm just... Hashtag FOMO trigger, you know? That's <laughs> that's how I'm feeling. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it for the video team stuff and getting a video review out of it of Nathan's work. Ooh. And it will just be a great excuse to finally get into one of these games. Uh, it was a nice bonus that we had it on hand, so it's going to be rad. And, yeah, and have some Harry Potter stabby, stabby good times. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's a little bit of that in Harry Potter, I suppose, but not to the same extent. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. Now, in the age of DLC and such like that, do you think they're going to introduce a fourth introduce a fourth house via DLC at some point? Will that shake up the dynamic um, too much and kind of ruin things? They have they actually have a fourth route in the game. So there's there's three houses, but there's four routes. Um, but I don't want to go into like the specifics of why there's four routes. Um, totally fair. There's also story DLC that they've planned. We don't know what it is yet. I was hoping we'd hear about it in the Nintendo Direct, but I guess that was wishful thinking because it's next year. Yeah. But um, 
We'll see. I just want them to expand on Black Eagle's route, which is the route I did, because it's a little short, and I feel like there could have been more to it. It's not a great starting route. Like I wouldn't say Black Eagles is the best route to start. I'd say either Golden Deer or Blue Lions are better to go yeah. through your first your first playthrough with. Yeah, especially Black Eagles. Yeah. yeah, especially because I got stuck with um, less chapters to play overall because just the way Black Eagles route just has less chapters. So I had less renown mm-hmm. to to work with for New Game Plus. So I also kind of got messed it up. Messed up my new game plus uh, playthroughs now. Uh, what does uh, renown do? It's a renown is something you earn from doing quests or like other missions, like side missions. You could get uh, renown will allow you to in the first playthrough will allow you to upgrade. There's, there's statues in the game that give you stat bonuses or allow you to like uh, learn certain things faster. And then when you get to new game plus, renown is used to. You basically start New Game Plus, like, as in, like, you start the game over, so you have, you know, you have your old levels back, you have your old levels, you have no support conversations, but you can use Renown to unlock old support conversations, so you can recruit characters faster, or you can have stat bonuses with that character early on, so it just makes the game a lot easier, but because I had less to work with, that also means that I kind of had to start from a lower point than I would have liked to, because I didn't have enough Renown. Should have done the extra quests. I did. I did every single extra quest I could, but because Black White Eagles is only eighteen chapters, I, I kind of. Oh started. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Ah well, indeed. That's what you get for not choosing the deer. No, it's, it's my own, punishment. It's for your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> you choose anything but the deer, you get the horns. I don't know. Oh wow. The antlers. No. Okay. No. It's okay. <laughs> and you all never came back on a podcast again. <laughs> 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 no, thank you though. Like you, you've sold me on both these games in a lot of ways. I mean, again, FF8 is more. You know, I will see how I feel because again, yeah. the, I I don't mind uh, mushy squall face, but uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, I'm super excited to get into, and it's just been simply because I've been planning a wedding and everything else yeah. going on that I haven't really had time to dive into it. Uh, and then I've also been playing the Moonlighter DLC between Dimensions for review. But I'll get into talking more about that later, because for now, uh, we're running a bit long for today, and it's been a good talk about some good stuff. And uh, I'm glad we got all these really, I mean, I, I am cautiously glad that we have all these great games on the Horizon 2 from that Nintendo Direct. So My there'll wallet. be way too many things to play. Yeah, exactly. The wallet hers, especially <laughs> for this month. There's so many good games coming out in September. Yeah, what is, um, I guess, yeah, this month's going to be bananas. Um, I'll start with you, Leona. What's your most anticipated game for this month? Um, AI Somnium Files from oh. the maker of 999, Virtue's Last Reward, Zero's uh, Time Dilemma. It's a futuristic detective adventure visual novel game. Uh, it's nice. really, I love everything that the... The director of 999 has ever done so I'm really looking forward to that it was delayed it, it was supposed to be out by now I think but it got delayed by an indefinite amount of time but I think it's coming out this month yeah it's yeah it's definitely jumping out soon unless there's some sort of last minute issue I think we're going to be seeing it on yeah. shelves or in our digital shelves very shortly mm-hmm. um, Joe what are you most anticipating release wise whether you get to play it or see it played yeah, so I've um, I had mentioned uh, Dragon Quest Eleven that I'll be jumping into that as my first Dragon Quest game, um, which is going to be really great because I've uh, the week after that I 
have uh, both my birthday and my sister's wedding. So going to be off work for a going to be off work for a few days. And when it's not going to be wedding stuff, I'm just basically going to be playing Dragon Quest 11. So uh, so that's super exciting. Um, yeah, that's probably going to be taking up most of most of my time then. And how about yourself, Nathan? For, for me, so, it'll yeah. it'll be um, Dragon Quest Eleven as well. So that, like, yeah. I, I actually never managed to uh, fully complete the PS4 copy I have. So, but I like all the new stuff they're introducing in Dragon Quest Eleven's uh, Switch release. So I'll be playing that again. So it's enough for you to double buy. Yeah, nice. I'm, I mean, I double buy games all the time. It's just something of that. I just it just does things for me. I don't know. I always like see a new version of a game, I'm just thinking, I, even though I haven't beaten the game yet, I kind of want it again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fair. I mean, it's not super consumer-friendly. Like, I can only hope for the PS4 uh, release and maybe the PC release as well that they do go back and patch in some of these additions. I mean, they obviously can't do the whole 2D, 3D swap over thing, but at least, like, patching in the better um, soundtrack and also adding in all these character stories as DLC would be nice. But... Because it's just, yeah, it's not favoring the consumers where it's just like, well, how come if I buy that system, I get everything. But for Mm -hmm. the ones where I bought it before it came, that even came out, how come I can't get that as well? Even like I'll pay money to get that extra stuff. But it's like, but if you just don't even give it as an option, that's rude. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess we'll see what happens, I suppose. Uh, For myself, for September, I mean, Dragon Quest XI S. I'm really excited to get back into Dragon Quest again. But Link's Awakening, I think, will be the thing I snap up first. I mean, it really comes down to price at this point, because, again, having just done a wedding, lots of money yeah. went elsewhere. So <laughs> I had plenty <laughs> enough to spend on uh, with paying back all those debts and everything like that. And then, of course, yeah, Pokemon's next month, I think, as well. So get that coming out soon. But, yeah, I think Link's Awakening is what I'm going to get into, just also for time as well. I know it's going to be a quicker, more digestible experience in a, a shorter amount of time won't be as big of a time sink as Dragon Quest Eleven. while I try and get caught up on so many other life projects, but we'll see what goes down. I've got my name in the hat for reviews, so that might also happen as well. Who knows? But we've got a lot of good stuff to look forward to, because, I mean, beyond just those two games and uh, AI, like, what else do we have coming out this month? I mean, for me, it, it, it's not... Uh something we cover with Damon X Machina comes out this month that I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's to. true too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, outside of RPG coverage, there's a few big hits coming as well. Yeah. Damon X Machina has been looking really neat. <laughs> I never got around to trying the demo. I've had it on my system and I just haven't bothered to play it yet. There's a new demo coming out soon that it will improve upon the old one, so I'm not just download that one. I think it comes out today. And yeah. I think, yeah, because it, it was, or was it yesterday? It was the day, I thought they announced it was coming out the day after the Direct? It, it might have been. I could be mistaken. Yeah. And it's cool that you can carry your progress through into the next one. So, either way, I'm looking for a mecha game that's not disappointing like Left Alive was. So, oh my god, I, I, I think uh, Jam Next Machia will probably be—I can safely say it'll probably be better than, than Left Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am into that. Uh, well, thank you so much, all three of you, for being on the podcast with me here. I my appreciate. Pleasure. Yeah, you. I appreciate getting Thanks you in for us. first timing. <laughs> I hope I did okay. Oh, you were great. <laughs> as for you, Joe, like you're both welcome back as always on the podcast. And Nathan has always joy to chat games with you and your enthusiasm for them all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to remind you all listeners that you can email us at podcast at RPGfan.com for any comments, questions, complaints you may have about the show. If you want to hear more Leona, more Joe, more Nathan, less of me, 
whatever. <laughs> you can throw that all in there, and then I'll read something other than spam. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Greg Dalmage. You can find RPG Fan at RPGFan.com on Twitter and on Instagram. Can anybody uh, find you folks on the interwebs anywhere? We'll start with Leona. Where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, you can find me first and foremost on the RPG Fan Discord server. Yeah. I moderate. It's a fun place to be. We have a great, lively, active bunch of regulars there, and there's always something to talk about. And also, you can find me at Starmongoose on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of content can we often find on your Twitter account? Terrible things that no one should ever see. <laughs> So if you don't want to see any of that, you should go track down Leona on Twitter. Uh, Joe, where can people find you online? So so I'll be on the RPG Fans Twitter and our Facebook page. I don't really post on my personal Twitter, but if you want to find it, I think it's, I think it's still Queers for Fears, which is also my uh, handle on Instagram. It's a great uh, name. It should uh, also be your band name, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tears um, for fears for me too, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't want to be a cover band. <laughs> oh, yeah, really... like Led Zeppelin. That was, that was a favorite, my favorite <laughs> oh, lesb- my gosh, lesbian Led Zeppelin cover band. That's oh, that's incredible. I haven't heard about that, but now yeah. I'm going to look that up after this. You absolutely should. <laughs> and Joe, when you're on the RPG fan Twitter and social media and stuff, your sign off is just J. Uh, it's just J O. There we go. So we know who to look for. If you have uh, specific yep. things that direct at Joe. Yep, absolutely. Anywhere else they can find you? After we got sidetracked on your wonderful Twitter handle. <laughs> Are you on our Discord much? I am I'm not on Discord much, um, but also same on Discord uh, at Queers for Fears. Yeah. I will so, get you one day. Yeah, it just, <laughs> just really broke me in. I, I'm easily drawn into things, so. Well, now you just make me sound like a predator. Well, <laughs> I, that, that was a Discord my intention. Right <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard you're very nice on Discord, okay? So. Who told you these lies? <laughs> you ran a good show. <laughs> you, you did, like, half hour ago. <laughs> I like That's all part of the predatory instincts. <laughs> yes. uh, Nathan, where can we find you on the interwebs? All right, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at SmashKing27. And Discord, I'm just SmashKing. I'll occasionally post, well, not really post, but I'll occasionally like comment on our Facebook page as well. But uh, the, Twitter is the main place you can find me. And contrary to what you might think, we've explored this in a past random encounter. Uh, Smash King is not as sexy a handle as it sounds. He <laughs> <laughs> does not get drunk on the weekends. No, sorry, guys. No. I barely drink, actually. Unfollow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Not what was advertised. Where's all my saucy tweets? <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey guys, really, really enjoying Tokyo Xanadu. It's great. This is not what I signed up for. Tokyo Xanadu. Close enough. Close enough. No, we'll go with Tokyo Xanadu. Sure. <laughs> okay, cool. I thought that was like a follow up to Xanadu, anyways. No. Just where that was a thing not too long ago. Who knows? You know what? I'm going to go look at you for more Jade Cocoon posts, okay? Oh, you do that. Okay. Well, who's yeah. your favorite Jade Cocoon monster? <laughs> uh, the little devil one. Oh, that narrows it down. Thanks. Uh, uh, well, it's one of the early game ones. I, I've only seen early game footage. 
I can't remember its name, but he's, he's just like a little red devil. It's like one of the earlier oh, oh, the Lich, in the jungle. Lich, yeah. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. They just, I like how they dance. Oh, uh, I've actually played this game. Wow. The first. <laughs> uh, I haven't played. I've, I've watched gameplay of. I would love to track it down, though, since you've uh, extolled its virtues. And then I saw a bit of it for the uh, this game gaming stuff. I was like, this game looks mm-hmm. cool. And how did I never know about this? So Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I mean, yeah, it's it's just a nice spin on. I feel so firm. <laughs> you feel seen. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. Well, on that fun note, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us go off on tangents and talk about video games. We will uh, have more stuff for you to listen to soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. I uh, want to remind listeners that you can uh, email us at RPG. Uh, no, but let's try that again. I'm going to remind you. <laughs> <Yeah>. Acting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take three. <laughs>